Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Sunday. All right, I have a big request to make of you. It is the new year. For those of you who don't know this, we at Just the News have had an iPhone and Android app for quite some time. It's a fantastic way to experience Just the News because it takes the three ways that we produce content, video, audio, text, and allows you to move seamlessly between them. If you want to get the Just the News official app, just go to the Apple iOS store or the Android, Google Android store, the Play store, Google Play, and download it today. You can watch, you can listen, you can read. Down the bottom, there are three ways to experience us. It is fantastic. You can get old episodes of the television. You can get my podcast here. Go download the app today. You will not be disappointed. It's a good way to start Sunday morning, and why not do it at the beginning of a new year and get a new way to experience and become a member of the Justin News family. All right, folks, we've got an amazing show for you today. We've got a two-part interview with Stephen Sun, the former U.S. Capitol Police Chief. He was the man there on January 6th. He was the man interacting with Nancy Pelosi and her surgeon at arms and her staff. He was the man who tried to get the National Guard approved by his political overseers and could not get it, a fateful decision that left the Capitol Hill Police ill prepared for the crisis. He also was a man who didn't get a lot of the intelligence that was floating around, even to his own department, and not from his own department. He didn't get it about warning that there was going to be a violent day there. Stephen Sund is going to open your eyes. This is a great interview. We've done a lot of reporting on this. You've heard Cash Patel. You've heard all the Chris Miller, former defense secretary. Stephen Sund, this is his first time with us. He has a very cogent, powerful story to tell. You're going to want to hear it right after these commercial presses. Also coming today, Bill O'Reilly. He needs no introduction. One of the greatest journalists in the world and one of the great authors of the world. His Killing series is great, including Killing the Legends, which I just read a second time over the holidays. Current Congressman Troy Nels of Texas. He's going to be joining us. He'll give us an update on the saga involving Kevin McCarthy, the leadership, what also is at stake. And also, Troy Nels has played a big role in identifying what really went wrong on January 6th. He'll be reacting to that Stephen Sund interview. And then I'm going to introduce you to the brand new chairman of the Wisconsin Republican Party, Brian Schwimming. He is one of the leading voices in the Republican Party that says it's time for the Republican Party to lawfully get involved in early voting. Like he says on the campaign trail, it doesn't make sense to start Election Day 200,000 votes behind your Democratic opponent because they're out there gathering early ballots and Republicans aren't. Brian Schwimming, going to be a disruptor in the Republican Party. He's going to be joining us to tell us about the energy, the ideas, the new concepts he's bringing 
to the Republican Party. You won't want to miss that. And then we're going to finish up with one of the most high-ranking officials, formerly, in the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA. Derek Maltz Sr. was the Special Operations Director. He ran all of the Special Forces operations inside the DEA. That's a very sensitive job. He was all over the world, and he knows what goes on in Mexico. He's here to tell us that the fentanyl crisis in America is a declaration of war against America by China. He's going to describe why that is, how they use TikTok to get kids to go after fentanyl, how, where the ingredients come from, the alliances, why the cartels are doing so much better under Joe Biden than they were under Donald Trump. This is a very powerful interview from a guy in the know, Derek Maltz. You're going to enjoy this interview. In fact, you won't forget it, much like you didn't, won't forget yesterday's interview with Sammy Safi. Derek Maltz is going to open your eyes to what's going on. Fentanyl is a multi-country attack on the United States. Some people on this show have called it a weapon of chemical destruction. We're going to have Derek explain what's going on and how China and Mexico, how they're working, what's going on, what the cartels get out of this, what China gets out of it. Powerful interview from one of the most knowledgeable mans in the war against drugs, the former DEA Special Operations Director, Derek Maltz, right after these commercial messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. He was the 10th Capitol Police Chief and resigned his position after the riot at the Capitol two years ago. But now he's written a book, and I bet that he'll be a bestseller. Uh, joining us now is Chief Stephen Sun, the author of Courage Under Fire, Under Siege, and Outnumbered 58 to 1 on January 6th. Chief, thank you so much for being here. 
My pleasure. Thank you, John. Thank you, Amanda, for having me. We are happy to have you. Um, I think that prior to January 6, 2021, most of the country and probably the globe, too, thought that the United States Capitol was the safest place on Earth. January 6 proved that that was not the case. One of the things you've hammered in your book uh, is the state of security at the U.S. Capitol now. Is it safer now? I think the big issue that I point out in the book is how politicized security on the, on Capitol is, um, and that hasn't changed. Uh, it's still it's still the same. You still have way too much politics playing a role in security. Uh, all the oversight over the uh, police department is all politically aligned, and anytime you have oversight that reports to a certain political party, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that is something you really pick up in the book, Chief. It really makes a very important point. I want to walk through and talk a little bit about the National Guard, because it's one of those things that most people don't understand what happened. What we know from the Capitol Police records is on January 2nd, the Pentagon asked if you'd be uh, the police department if you'd be interested. Your deputy the next day said, we don't think we need it. Then on the 4th, you reassess things and you're pressing for uh, the National Guard to be available. Tell us what happens between the 4th and 6th with the, uh, the National Guard. It's such a compelling part of your book. Absolutely. So just to make sure that the timeline is correct, um, when I originally asked for the National Guard, it was uh, Sunday, January 3rd. January 3rd was the first day of that uh, session of Congress. I think it was the 117th Congress. So it was, I believe it was 934 in the morning when I first went and asked for it uh, and was denied because of the concern for, uh, for optics, the look of the National Guard. Well, what I now find out and I point out in the book is that come that third and the fourth, Secretary of Defense Miller and, sec and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley, are expressing internally and within uh, conference calls within the uh, executive branch a extreme concern for violence up at the United States Capitol. Such a level of concern that they're talking about locking down the capital city and revoking the permits on the ca uh, up on Capitol grounds. Two important things there are. One, I'm the person that signs those permits. And two, they never told me a thing about these levels of uh, concerns for violence on the Hill. Yet what Secretary Defense Miller does is he puts out this memo that specifically restricts the National Guard, which are going to be deployed in the city helping with traffic posts, from carrying any of the equipment, the civil disturbance and riot control equipment that would be needed for the type of attack he's, he's foreseeing is coming, which which did come. Um, and then on the uh, the day of the attack, after waiting 71 minutes to get approval from the Capitol Police Board to call in the National Guard, I had to wait three and a half hours for the National Guard, which was less than two miles from my capital, to arrive, and they only arrived after the fighting was all over. It's so amazing. I just want to follow up on one thing. Do you know who actually used the word optics? At the end of the day, who was most concerned about the optics of the National Guard helping your department keep the Capitol safe? Uh, so I, it's interesting because optics continues to play a role, and it was all about the look of the National Guard. But optics played a role when first one I asked Paul Irving for the National Guard. He used the term optics. And what's interesting is I'm on the phone with the Pentagon at 934 begging for the National Guard to deploy to assist my men and women. And um, uh, Lieutenant General Fli uh, Piot is using the term concern for the optics. I'll never forget it. Quote, I'm concerned of the optics of the military standing in line with the Capitol in the background. So here they are both using the exact same term. I, I, I point that out in the book that I really don't find a coincidence in that. I tend to wonder, you know, what communications went on outside um, my, my knowledge. But um, there is a concern for optics that is over the concern for my men and women being beaten, which is being shown on national TV, which I have no doubt they're watching in the Pentagon. Mm. 
Chief Sun, what is the typical flow of information from lawmakers on Capitol Hill, specifically former Speaker Pelosi and Capitol Police? What is that typical flow like? And was that flow interrupted on those days leading up to and on January 6th? So the way the, the communication will go, and a lot of people think, okay, I'm, I'm the chief, so I'm at the top of the pyramid as far as security at the Capitol. I'm, I'm actually at the bottom. So I'm here. You've got the Capitol Police Board, and the Capitol Police Board has communications with the two, the House and Senate leadership. So the line of communications between me and leadership would be through the respective sergeant arms. So in the case of Speaker Pelosi, it would be through Paul Irving um, for any of that direct line of communications back and forth. So if there's intelligence going up, or intelligence coming down, it would go through uh, uh, Paul Irving to the respective uh, speak, uh, leadership. Did you ever come to understand, uh, we now know from a report that Republicans put out a couple days ago, that uh, Nancy Pelosi's top aides were involved in crafting some of the plans that Paul Irving was sending around. They even edited one uh, document, I think. Did you ever? Did anyone ever tell you, hey, Nancy Pelosi's been briefed on this, or that Nancy Pelosi has signed off on where the Capitol Police Board is uh, vis-a-vis security before January 6th? Well, I think when you refer to that, I think you're referring to like some of the um, uh, Dear Colleague letters that they put yes. out. Now, I want to make sure that it may be, there may be others out there that I'm unaware of, but some of the Dear Colleague's letter that talks about some of the security that's in place, the right. parking, directing people which entrances to use, stuff like that. And uh, it was no secret that the they would want to have the leadership's position, whether it's the, the House or Senate, would want to know what communications was being put out uh, across, the, across the campus. So they would have uh, review and, and often edit these. They did. Okay, good. Chief, I want to go back to the point that you made on optics because... I look at the optics of the security and denying National Guard troops the equipment that they needed, and then the optics after January 6th, where they uh, constructed this fence that was up for a very, very long time. So optics mattered at one point, but then it all of a sudden didn't. What what do you think the reason is behind that? Um, There could be a couple of aspects. Again, uh, this all... Intelligence would have helped us and would have prevented January 6th. You know, following the um, the events, I know with the inauguration and a fence like that was scheduled to come up for the inauguration, at least one row of the um, eight-foot anti-scale fencing. Um, but the two levels and the concertine wire up for that long uh, was a very long time without significant intelligence and trying to support it. Um, it I, it's something I've never seen around the Capitol to see that many armed National Guardsmen and two levels of uh fence with concertina wire on it yeah yeah well definitely was a memorable moment i want to go to the intelligence because you talk very uh, strongly about what dhs fbi had we see some of that intelligence kind of vaguely coming in to your intelligence division in late december tell us what happens between you and your intelligence division and then what dhs and fbi kept completely from your department so what i look at it is this i think when you when you go back and you look at january 6 and you look at intelligence Intelligence was treated completely different on January 6th than it usually is for major events in Washington, D.C. I've handled numerous national special events, uh, special security events, numerous um, uh, demonstrations. Anytime we had an event that had a even a minute amount of the intelligence stream that we're seeing associated with January 6th now uh, coming in, the FBI would do executive briefings a conference call with with the area leaders or what we call a JIB, a Joint Intelligence Bulletin with the Department of Homeland Security. None of that was done January 6th. And when you see the level of intelligence now that was out there, you're just dumbfounded by it. Um, that didn't that didn't occur. Those were lessons we should have learned from uh, September 11th that we still haven't learned by January 6th. But then I see there's significant intelligence coming into my, um, my intelligence um, unit. 
that's not being reported up. We do a total of four intelligence assessments. Uh, none of them, the first three say it's going to all be like this. The previous ones, even the fourth one said it's going to be like the previous two MAGA events um, and that people weren't going to march. They're going to stand there in designated areas with a single paragraph at the end that talks a little bit about could be uh, dangerous for law enforcement, could have violence, may people may show up with weapons, things that we had seen in the first two MAGA events. But the very next day, that same intelligence unit puts out an intelligence bulletin saying low probability of arrest or civil disobedience. The very next day, they do it again. And on, on January 6th, they put out another one saying low probability of civil disobedience. disobedience excuse me. Um, so there's just so much confusion going on. They, none of that in a high level of intelligence that we know now, now know existed within DHS, FBI, uh, and to a certain yeah. point within my own intelligence unit got up to the necessary people to do the planning and do the uh, coordination for security for January 6th. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll have more with Chief Sun right after these commercial messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 
20% off. Chief, good to have you back. Thank you for sticking with us. When we went to commercial break, we talked a little bit about what was coming into the intelligence division and sort of the gap between what they were seeing and then what they would filter up to the top. You spent a little bit of time in the book talking about how this needs to be fixed. What's your recommendation for fixing the intelligence apparatus so it really is proactive and ready to stop any threat that's coming in? It seems like there was a little lazy fairness below you in, in the department. Well, whether it's the the department or, or DHS, you know, if if I was saying a in a nutshell, some of the issues that we have to address, both, you know, one security on the hill needs to be non political. You got to take any politicization away from it. Uh, intelligence, DHS, FBI. There was a lot of concern that maybe after the protests of 2020, uh, they need not to focus so much uh, on certain areas that may have uh, caused a problem. But as far as my own uh, intelligence unit, I think, you know. Why some of the intelligence analysts are now reporting that they're pushing up concerning information to their um, their leadership within the intelligence unit or protective services bureau, and it wasn't getting included into assessments. Um, I I don't know why that didn't occur, uh, but I know there's been a number of changes. There's a new director of intelligence uh, for the for the department that uh, hopefully will um, be able to make sure that that critical intelligence gets to where it needs to be. Uh, but I think ultimately we need to look back at the bigger picture. The lessons learned from 9-11, we're still uh, having those same errors on January 6th. My big concern is, are we going to have those errors again at a day in the future? We have got to correct the, uh, the intelligence apparatus. We've got to correct the Department of Defense, the way they um, delayed coming to our assistance. And I think that was politicized as well. I think they had uh, a number of different concerns, but they got to fix that. And we're at a very divisive point in this country. Um, both both sides of the both you know both sides of the political spectrum, uh, rhetoric out there, words matter, uh, and we've got to somehow begin to mend the division we have in this country, uh, or things are just going to get worse. Yeah, so true. Yeah, and chief, I think I think you're exactly right about the politicization because I don't think that there's anything out there that's been politicized that hasn't been damaged by that politicization. As far as reforms that can be made, any oversight that needs to take place, do you find uh, further securing the Capitol and further coordination between the Capitol and Capitol Police, do you find that to be a bipartisan issue? So um, let me ask you, answer by this. I think the January 6th did a, the report, 846 pages, 800 and some plus pages. One of the takeaways was they had recommended more oversight for the Capitol Police. Think about that. I have an oversight board of the Capitol Police Board, all politically appointed. Senate, House, Executive Branch, Trump uh, appointed Brett Blanton, who's the architect of the Capitol. Above that, I have four oversight committees uh, that are all politically appointed, uh, I mean, all politically aligned, their their staff reports to political parts of, of Congress. And I'm the only police chief in the United States of America that has federal law preventing me from calling in assistance before an event and under, and when we're having an emergency such on January 6th. Um, I probably have more oversight, specifically more politically aligned oversight than any police department in the country and their recommendations for more oversight. Yeah, just create more bureaucracy, which is really what got in the way here. Do you think the Republicans that are taking charge now, I know they've looked very carefully at your book. They've been a lot doing a lot of thinking about this. Uh, do you think that they're willing to streamline it? And, and do we need a Capitol Police Board that re requires you to go up for everything? Or should a police chief with all of the credentials that you had have the ability to make real-time decisions? 
I think that's it right there. You know, people that don't have security backgrounds should not be making security decisions. If you want to put an expert in there, give him the ability to do his job. Um, whether and I and you'll notice that how the way I write the book, I try and write it as uh, apolitical and unbiased as possible because that's how we got to learn from this. It's not a political position because I don't want to be politicized uh, in my position. Um, put a person in there, give him the opportunity to do his to do his job, and you know don't have political oversight. Yeah, it, it is remarkable. Chief, it is such an honor to have you on this show and this book. Everyone, go get this book. Everything you think you knew about January 6th, it's going to change your mind when you read what your son wrote. Courage Under Fire, a must-read for anyone who cares about the security of the Capitol. Uh, sir, it's a great honor to have you on this show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much, Amanda. It was a pleasure. Wow, what an interview. It got you thinking a lot about what really happened on January 6th that you weren't told for two years. Well, Chief Sun gave you the real skinny on that. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, one of the greatest journalists in America, one of the greatest authors, a man who calls it like he sees it, Bill O'Reilly will be with us right after these commercial messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. One of our favorite guests, one of the greatest minds in journalism and also one of my favorite authors, He's a, uh, the host of the No Spin News and author of the latest new book, Killing the Legends, which I just finished reading a second time over the holidays. He's Bill O'Reilly. Bill, great to have you on the show. You read it twice, huh, John? That's I, I pretty did. impressive. It was fantastic. Uh, you can read it four more Thank times you. and you're going to take something else away every time. It's a wonderful, it's a masterpiece. It really is. Thank you. All right. I want to start with what's going on in the Capitol. I think for most Americans who are just trying to make ends meet, this really means nothing. But it is an interesting battle for the direction of the party. Your take on the Kevin McCarthy debacle going on in the Capitol. Well, it's all about money. Um, the 20 dissenters to McCarthy's uh, nomination to be the House Speaker see him as Mitch McConnell light. And there was outrage in the conservative community, as you know, John, about the omnibus bill right. uh, passing. And, and, you know, if you look at the bill, as I have, uh, there's so much waste in it. Three million dollars for a jogging trail named after Michelle Obama in Georgia. You know, pay your own way. OK, I don't want my money going for a jogging <laughs> trail for anybody, even Abraham Lincoln. All right. I, I don't want that kind of stuff. So. Um, McConnell was behind the omnibus bill passing in the Senate, um, and then the conservatives in the House feel that Kevin McCarthy is just like McConnell, that he's a go-along-to-get-along guy, a swamp creature. Um, I think they're overdoing it now. Um, I think McCarthy should be given a chance because there's a mechanism to boot him if he does become somebody who's not representing 
what the Republican Party want, you could get rid of them. So I, if I were a congressperson now, I would vote for McCarthy. Yeah, good advice. I wanted to ask you, you know, it, it's interesting seeing these votes happen over and over again and Kevin McCarthy still not have the votes required. Um, I wonder if you think that the struggles that Kevin McCarthy is experiencing for the job of Speaker of the House, does that augur future struggles for folks like Mitch McConnell in the Senate and I guess in more in the immediacy, Ron, Ron McDaniel for the RNC? Well, I mean, if you look at the way the Congress is structured, you've got two parties, but one party doesn't have any dissent at all. The, the Democrats just vote en bloc. And that's because of Nancy Pelosi, who is the uh, most fierce lion tamer of all time. And she basically told the people in the House, you either do what I tell you to do or we're cutting off your money and you're not going to be able to raise money from the party for your run every two years. So that's why every Democrat in the House votes the way the leadership tells them to vote. Republicans aren't that way, which I think is healthy. Um, we should have in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party votes of conscience. So I know that these uh, far right people uh, objecting to McCarthy, they're crazed about the spending. That's what it's all about. And they're not getting reassured by uh, Mr. McCarthy that he'll be a fiscal warrior. Now, can he reassure them in a private meeting? I think that's what will happen tonight. They're gonna have a private meeting, try to figure this out. And I think tomorrow or the next day, McCarthy will win. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to be the play tonight. We're going to be watching that closely at Just the News. Bill, I want to ask you about when this is settled. What is the most important thing for the House Republicans to do to show the American people they heard what was said in the election and they're getting the people's business done? What's the agenda you would set for them? Well, you've got to deal with the corruption. You've got to deal with that off the bat. That's why Jim Jordan is not a good choice for Speaker of the House, because he has to as chairman of the Judiciary Committee, look at the FBI's intrusion into the electoral process. I mean, that, that's so vital. You can't have these powerful government agencies trying to tilt presidential elections, and it looks like the FBI did that. And that's Jordan. He can't do both. He can't run the House and all of that craziness and be the head of the Judiciary Committee and get to the bottom of this alleged corruption. That's number one. Number two, you got to look at Biden and, and whether he benefited from his son's millions of dollars as vice president. And that is going to be investigated by the Republicans as well in the Judiciary Committee, I believe. Um, no, in the oversight, one of the committees will yeah. do it. Um, anyway, we got to start to root out corruption. John and Amanda, corruption erodes the nation. And we've got to start to do that. That's their mandate. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, corruption, as you said, it infects everything. And something else everything. that it infects is the, the policies for our border. Throughout his administration, Joe Biden has been criticized for not going. He says he's actually going to go. Is it optics or is he really starting to pay attention? I don't know how he wins the optics thing. I mean, uh, six million foreign nationals in here since he's been inaugurated. Uh, the stats are frightening. And remember, we, the people, the taxpayers, pay for all of these six million. 
It's not like they're coming here with endowments. They're broke. Cartels take all their money. So they're here and they need to be fed and housed and transported all over the country. We're paying for that. And this is ridiculous. You don't like immigration law? Have Congress pass a new one. But Biden basically defies the law, doesn't uphold the law that's on the books, which is an impeachable offense, by the way, and it might come to that. And now he goes down the border to say what? What a good job he's doing? I don't know how he wins this. So it'll be interesting to see how they spin it, where he goes. He's going to have to go, I think, to Arizona. Texas will kill him. Yeah. You'd have to go to a, you know, Tucson, fairly liberal area there. That's where I think he'll probably go. That makes a lot of sense. You're right. Uh, Keith, they got the best friend in the audience he could find. I want to turn to China for a second. We're in this extraordinary race for supremacy in the world. Uh, We're losing some ground, according to our military, clearly in the economy. Uh, The recent decision by uh, Joe Biden to restrict travel, make people take a test. A lot of the medical experts say they don't understand why he's doing this now. What's going on in the China optics with with Joe Biden? Well, look, COVID's out of control in China. Why wouldn't you have a test mandate from Chinese planes landing at the U.S. Yeah. I, I would. Right. You know, and I would do it 24 hours. You got to have that test. And if there's any suspect or you, the test doesn't look like it's legit, then we're going to have to test them at the airports because you just can't reignite this whole COVID thing here, which came from China in the first place. That could, that could duplicate itself. So I, I think that's smart on the part of the federal government to demand that. Bill, I wanted to switch over to uh, a historical topic. You, as you know, are one of my favorite authors. You are so illustrative when it comes to so many different topics, but especially the founding of our country. And we know that Judeo-Christian values are the foundation for our country, but it seems like wokeism has infected so many different areas. But we recently saw uh, a team prayer for Damar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field on Sunday. And to me, it was one of those, those rare moments where I felt a little bit uplifted about culture in America. Your thoughts? Well, you have to understand how closely knit uh, football teams are. That's number one. Um, That these guys spend half the year with each other in very intense circumstances. And, you know, when one of their own has a life-threatening situation, then everything else gets put aside, just like you would in a family. Okay, it's the same thing. So uh, the reaction, which was what they call organic, you know, it wasn't contrived or thought about, I thought was very, very impressive by both teams, Cincinnati and Buffalo. And I think the league did the right thing by postponing the game. Uh, It looks like uh, the young man who had the heart attack is uh, doing better. And I, you know, when you see people praying on a football field and you don't hear the far left loons screaming about it, you know that something important is taking place. Yeah, great point. Bill, you got about 45 seconds left. Barbara Walters left us this weekend. Long, illustrious career. Your thoughts on the impact she had? Well, she's a friend of mine, and uh, what most impressed me about Barbara Walters is how brutally she was treated at ABC News. Uh, Harry Reisner and the boys really worked her over, and she rose above it and succeeded despite them um, to become the most uh, influential uh, female journalist in the world. 
and I knew her as a person and she was always very kind to me. So I think that she deserves all full respect on her passing. All right, folks, don't touch that dial. You know why? In a few minutes, Congressman Troy Nels from the great state of Texas, he's going to give us his thoughts on Kevin McCarthy, January 6th, what investigations may yield in the new year. We're going to have all of that right after these commercial messages. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. One of the lawmakers in the middle of the battle to pick the next Speaker of the House. Congressman Troy Nels is here joining us after four days and 13 votes to give us the very latest. Congressman, honored to have you on the show, sir. John Romana, good to be back with you. Um, sir, you have been uh, right in the middle of this, and we've seen two very different narratives about the Speaker's race. One is that these are 20 selfish people that have a vendetta against um, uh, the, uh, Kevin McCarthy and are trying to get some better posturing in their power and position in Washington. The other narrative is they're tired of the spending and they're trying to force a permanent change in the culture of Washington. You're on the front lines. Is one or other or both of those narratives possibly right? Well, that's a great question. I would say that they're the 20 members that were holding out for the first three days. They're members of the House Freedom Caucus, John, and I'm a member of the House Freedom Caucus. There's 35 to 40 of us. But I said to my friends on that, you know, out of the 20th gentlemen and ladies, I said, what we should be doing is uh, this isn't the, the battle we should be waging. I think our battle and our fight, well, when is when, you know, we get the uh, committee assignments selected. And if McCarthy is our speaker, we have a four seat majority. Kevin McCarthy knows that there's 222 of us, and if he wants to pass anything meaningful uh, in this Congress, in this session, he's going to have to work with the members of the Freedom Caucus. And I said, that's where we can have these, dis these discussions, and we can move Kevin to the right. So I just thought that we should put this issue to bed with the Speaker's race. We can hold Kevin McCarthy accountable with the numbers that we have. We will move him to the right. So I think some of them have now seen... You know, we're down to, what, six or so. Hopefully, when we reconvene back at 10 o'clock tonight, we can get there and we can all go home. Amen for that. 
Yeah, I know. I know you all are ready for that. Congressman, um, I, we have had you on our show before, and I think a lot of people may have been surprised by your support of Kevin McCarthy. But I also know from your previous appearances on our show that you are champing at the bit to dive into some of the investigations that you've spoken about. So that maybe even more so than the, the fiscal issues that John was talking about, it seems to me that that might be a driving motivation for a lot of members who are supporting Kevin McCarthy. The fact that they, again, are champing at the bit to dig into uh, these investigations into the FBI and the DOJ, um, Hunter Biden, of course. What say you? Well, look at you've got uh, Mr. Comer from Kentucky. He's going to be the chair over government and oversight reform. He's held press conferences up two weeks ago already talking about what he will do as chairman of that committee, looking at Hunter Biden, his laptop. He, We all know who the big guy is. And then uh, McCarthy also has a great American, my I think one of the most well-respected members in the Republican conference, and that's Jim Jordan. He'll be chair of, of judiciary, and he's already made it very, very clear. He wants to look at the FBI, the DOJ, Mayorkas, Fauci, all of them. So I think that when you look at the team that McCarthy has around him, it's an all-star team. And I think those individuals are very conservative they want to get to the bottom of it. They want to make sure that uh, this administration will be held accountable for just trampling on the American citizens, the rights as it relates to the COVID mandates, the vaccine mandates with the military, all sorts of issues. So I, I got to say that I think uh, once we elect McCarthy as a speaker, we have a lot of work to do, a lot of investigations to conduct, and it's going to be a good thing for America. Yeah, that it will. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the two-year anniversary of January 6th. You wrote an extraordinary book, The Big Fraud. So much of what you were ahead of the media on has now come into the public light. This week, we had a former chief son down here. Stephen Sun was on here, and he said there was a political bureaucracy between him and Nancy Pelosi that kept him from doing his job, that kept him from getting the proper security, including starting on January 3rd, he said, he kept asking for the National Guard, and he kept being told, from his political masters above. You can't have it because we don't like the optics. There's a lot more work to be done on January 6th. Your book proved that. What do you think about Chief uh, Sun's comments this week? Well, it's accurate. It, I think, you know, when he talked about January 3rd, I mentioned it in the book. It's that special events assessment that was conducted, the last intelligence assessment done by the leadership of the Capitol Police. And that intelligence uh, assessment, it listed it in there. It's 15 pages long. I have a copy here. You go to page 13, and when you look at that summary in there, they, it said the Capitol building itself is going to be the target. There's extremist groups from both sides, white supremacist groups. They're going to be here. There's going to be violence, a high propensity for violence. And, and the Capitol uh, police officers and the community the visitors themselves are going to be in harm's way. And they didn't share that information. The intelligence section did not share that intelligence with the men and women, the boots on the ground. That's why you look. Look at all the different video. You look at many of these Capitol Police officers. They didn't have protective gear on them because they were completely shook by all this. They didn't realize what was coming their way on January 6th. Shameful. And that's not what we've been hearing from the January 6th sham committee. It's not about the truth, buddy. It's not about seeking truth in January 6th. That's for sure. 
Yeah, we see that far too often. But you have been seeking the truth as it pertains to uh, the detainment and treatment of January 6 prisoners. Yesterday, you visited some of them uh, in D.C. jail. What, what did you see when you were there and what did you hear? Well, I asked for a visit all the way back in September and finally we were able to receive it yesterday. I had an opportunity to visit. A couple of my staffers went with me and uh, when we pulled up to the jail, there was a whole entourage. We had everybody there from Mayor Bowser's office. I mean, we had the head cheese there. So while we were in there, we spent about an hour and 15 minutes. They knew I was coming because the place smelled very, very clean, uh, almost to the point it was irritating my eyes with the bleach. But here nor there, we were there. They knew they, uh, that we were coming. But we had a, an opportunity to go visit the J6ers, the detainees in their tank. And uh, there are about 21 of them there. Many of them are there for pretrial confinement. Had about 15 minutes and, and listened to them. They're, they're concerned. They said that their grievances are not being heard. I could see that. Want to look into that. They also said that they're not getting the, med- uh, the adequate medical treatment, which it should be, as well as uh, they were concerned about not having access to religious services. And there was one specific individual in there that was concerned about the assaults the physical assaults that have been taking place against these individuals by corrections officers. And I'm really looking into that. I want body camera video uh, from the officers to confirm or deny with what these J6 detainees are telling me is truthful. Wow, that's going to be pretty powerful stuff. We've got to get to the bottom of that for sure. <clears throat> Congressman, I want to ask a little bit about what lies ahead um, we'll get uh, Speaker McCarthy seems like he'll get into place. All the investigations will start. There'll become a moment in the spring when the debt ceiling issue will come up. How important a debate is it for that? And where should Republicans come down on that? The American people expect some positive change up here. John, they gave us the gavel on November 8th. They're begging for leadership. The American people are begging for leadership. They didn't get from the one party rule under Nancy Pelosi or this Biden administration. So now that Kevin McCarthy will have that gavel, let's take care of that gavel. Let's find a way to reduce the spending, do what's in the best interest of the American people, put the American people first, secure the southern border. We've got a lot of work to do, and I'm expecting him to do just those things. Yeah. Okay. Congressman, very quickly before we go, you mentioned the, the body cam footage that you want uh, for those January 6th detainees, but there are still thousands of hours of footage from January 6th we don't have. We still don't know what happened with the pipe bombs two years ago. How much obstruction are you expecting to face when looking into this stuff? Well, I don't know. We're going to be in the majority now, so we have the ability. I know that Kevin McCarthy talked about investigations having subpoena power. We need to look into it. I would love to help lead that effort because we need to release all the video. We need to have everything. The American people need to hear a little bit about transparency because they haven't heard it from Benny Thompson and his sham committee. So I'm hoping Kevin understands how important this is. When you look at that sham report, 400 and something, 80 pages, no doubt about Donald, it, Trump's, name is, Donald Trump's name is mentioned 4,200 times. Wow, what a great interview. Folks, don't go anywhere. You know why? Brian Schwimming. One of the newest, brightest, most energetic faces in the Republican Party. He's the brand new chairman of the Wisconsin Republican Party. He's going to tell you why Republicans are going to finally get in the game on early voting. They're not going to sit on the sidelines. They're not going to take the risk anymore. Brian Schwimming's going to give us the skinny why right after these messages. (laughs) 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. If you live in Wisconsin like I did for eight years, you may have heard his voice on your radio or may have even seen him on your television. He's Brian Schimming, the newly elected chairman of the Wisconsin Republican Party. We had an interesting thing on Just the News. We came in right after the, fourth, uh, after the New Year's and there was a big story trending on our site. It was a story about what Brian's been trying to do to get the Wisconsin Republican uh, Party on a winning track. And he's here to join us now and share some of that great advice. Brian, great to have you here. It's so good to be here. I it never is. thought I'd say that about Washington. Uh, exactly. <laughs> if you stay here long enough, you'll yeah. sour on it. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you gave this remarkable speech as you took over the party and you laid out a vision. And I think uh, I've heard people from all over the country, several states say that's the vision the Republican Party has to have in every state and in the uh, larger the country. Tell us a little bit about what your vision is and how it differs maybe from the way we've approached elections in the past. Well, I'm kind of a child of the grassroots uh, on the conservative side, went all the way through, for years, went through the Tea Party movement, have been through all of that. Have worked Wisconsin, as you know, a six million person state. Uh, now, frankly, and part of what's shaping what I'm thinking is, look, Wisconsin, let's be honest, Wisconsin, for the purposes of the next election, isn't one of 50 states. It's one of about five states or six states or something. I mean, it's going to be impactful in the presidential election. So when I came, when I thought about how the approach of being state chairman, I thought about it as, look, we just went through an election year where we won a lot, but we lost a few things, too. We reelected Ron Johnson, right. huge thing, put an extra member of the House right. from Wisconsin in. But if we're going to win on the long term, we got to do some we got to do some bigger things. Uh, and so I've been kind of very open to ideas as I'm moving around the state. I'm on, I'm on the road almost consistently with the grassroots the next two weeks. But also um, whatever we're doing that works, I want to enhance it. If it doesn't work, it's going to the curb and we're going to stop doing it and uh, we're going to keep moving forward. I think it's very easy for state parties or just movements in general uh, to kind of get too static or get to a point where they're just not looking ahead farther enough. I, I, I can't, every election's, right, John? I mean, every election's different. Yep. 2022 was different than 20, different than 18, different than 16, and it'll be different than than 24. I have to keep the party and the conservative movement moving forward, and that's why I'm doing it this way. One of the things that you've talked about, and I, I, I see a lot of heads nodding every time I see you mention this, and I, a lot of people are rallying around this now. Republicans have to play the early vote game. They can't surrender Absolutely. on that. Absolutely. Uh, I know there's a lot of principles involved, but Ronald Reagan's, I'm a principle guy, but I never unilaterally surrender. Um, you have a plan for how you're going to make the early vote work for Republicans. Yeah, I've 
decided early on that we needed some leadership on the early vote issue. I've told this to folks in the delegation and other Republican leaders in Wisconsin. We cannot keep going into Election Day, 200,000 votes down and make it up in 13 hours in one day. We can't do it. We should stop pretending. And I'm a you know, I'm a conservative. Absolutely. And I generally like to vote on Election Day, uh, by the way. But I have voted absentee in my clerk's office sometimes. The truth of the matter is. We have to take the toolbox that we have under state laws that we have in Wisconsin or others have in their states. We have to use the toolboxes there. The Democrats on the left don't have any problem using every tool in the toolbox. For us to stand back and say, wait a minute, I'm not on a trip to see my grandma. I'm not going to vote early is ridiculous. Number one. Number two is once we get people to vote early, when they do vote early, when we get them to vote early, those candidates out there that we're supporting can stop spending, wasting That's their right. resources on people who've already voted, go after the people who haven't or that we can get convinced to come with us. And so, frankly, it's a practical matter. We have a toolbox. We're not using it. We have to start using it or we're going to lose more elections. John, in the last 22 years in Wisconsin, we've had 10 races, statewide races, that were decided by less than 30 thousand votes when there's a Republican and a Democrat or a conservative and a liberal, 10 of them under 30,000 votes, which easily early voting could have helped us get over the line. I'm I'm done with losing. I I have a sign on my office wall, a couple of them. One of them is why lose when you can win. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, and and so I'm, I'm sick of losing, you know, for. I mean, I'd rather lose on principle than lose because, oh, we forgot to get people to early vote. Exactly. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, it's such an easy check to take off uh, off the list and get it done. Yeah. Um, you've got a big moment coming up in 24, Milwaukee, the host city for the Republican National Convention. How about Convention. that? Pretty exciting. Uh, tell us a little bit about what went into that and what we can all expect to see in the summer of 2020. Yeah, 50,000 people coming into Milwaukee, a city you know well, and uh, so it's going to be a huge, huge event. Otherwise, our biggest events are Harley, uh, Northwestern Mutual. I mean, uh, we have some big events, but nothing like this. It's interesting, because I was doing talk radio in Milwaukee the day the Democrats announced four years ago they were going to come. And I was like, everyone's going crazy. I was like, I'm fine with that. I said, number one, great money into the city. I said, secondly, I'll pay. I'll pay for AOC to come into Milwaukee so we can we can (laughs) make make fun of her. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll pay for her ticket to come into Milwaukee. That's great. But with this, we can showcase the reforms, the many reforms that we've had in Wisconsin over the years, uh, uh, whether it was Act 10 or uh, uh, voter ID or uh, concealed carry or the list goes on and on. I want to be able to showcase Wisconsin as a conservative movement state. And that's why I'm calling on the legislature to do when these 50 thousand people and all the media come to Milwaukee. I want us to be a showcase. and We're going to be. I remember when Tommy John, uh, Thompson gave uh, birth to Workfare and it changed the country. Right. Welfare changed the country. Right. The country. Yeah, another great example of Wisconsin leading. In, Absolutely. Yeah, remarkable Absolutely. times. Um, uh, conservatives believe the greatest ideas come from the states and take them to Washington. The National Party has lost uh, or underperformed in three consecutive elections. They've got a chairman's race coming up this month. What do you expect to happen with Ronald McDaniel? And what is the party's goals? How do they adapt strategies so that 2024 is a winning year? Yeah, what I've said to folks, I, I got it from all sides about supporting this one or that one. And I said, I'm going to wait and spend some time studying some of this and talking to the candidates. But for me, uh, I think the party, look, 70% of the issues to me, or the issues that we care about, 
crime, taxes, quality of life. 70% of the voters are with us on these issues. And yet we keep giving away elections. I cannot figure it out. So it takes leadership. It takes uh, communication in terms of the voters understanding what we're about. And I'm not sure people out on the street these days know what we're about. It's a real problem. We end up, and I'm not going to blame it on the Democrats. They are partly to blame. But as far as I'm concerned, we got to take our take responsibility for our own message. If people out on the street, if we know what our consistent message is, you know, going back to the uh, contract model or whatever it is, if I mean, sometimes we make it harder than it has to be. I'm sick of giving away elections to liberals uh, when we cause the problem by not being clear where we're at. That's the challenge for conservative and Republicans, as far as I'm concerned. We can win those elections, but we have to stop giving away our advantages. And frankly, we do it too much. And if that extends to the RNC, uh, then that's an issue I'll have with them. The um, as you look out over the next year, one of the things that is becoming clear, people look at the size of federal government just keeps bloating and growing. Uh, The deficit's gone from six point seven trillion dollars the year that Mitch McConnell took over as a Senate uh, whip in 2003, 32 trillion on top out this year. How do conservatives reclaim the mantle of fiscal conservatism? Get money out of Washington. I, this question came up much smaller context in, in terms of some tax reform. We have a seven billion dollar budget uh, surplus in Wisconsin right now, and I was asked by a reporter back in Madison about that. And I said, "Look, when I was chief of staff to the Speaker of the Assembly, the rule that I said to both senators and members of the Assembly is: when you have money in Madison, it's in the wrong place. Get it out of here." And that applies to Washington as well. Our people have to have fiscal discipline. But how do we how do we expect, you know, voters all across the country in any of the 50 states across the country to believe us if we're not going up to Capitol Hill or in our state capitals and doing what we say we want to do or not doing what we say we want to do? So uh, we've got to live out our principles that way and meet voters where they are and be relevant to voters. There's there's multiple legs to this stool, but uh, we have to be principled and we can win on what gets me is we can win on conservative principles. But if we don't live them, if we don't live them, John, we can't expect the government to do it either. So we got to live those principles. The message will be clear and we'll start winning more elections that, that frankly, we should have won here in 22. All right, folks, when we come back from the commercial break, Derek Maltz, Sr., former DEA Special Operations Director, he's going to describe why the fentanyl crisis is really a national security crisis, a declaration of war against America by the Chinese government, by the Mexican cartels, why the Mexican cartels should be designated as terrorist organizations. A really eye-opening interview with one of the most preeminent experts on the war on drugs. Derek Maltz, Sr., former DEA Special Operations Director, right after this commercial break. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 
it is plain as day that we have a serious drug crisis in our country and a lot of it is flowing across our southern border. Social media isn't helping the cause any at all. Uh, well, our next guest, he is retired from the Drug Enforcement Administration after nearly three decades of sounding the alarm and working to keep our nation safe. He is Derek Maltz, uh, senior, and he joins us now. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thank you, Amanda. Appreciate it, John. Good to be with you. Derek, so many of the things that you have said over the course of your career, we are finally hearing echoed in the halls of Congress, especially on the Republican side of the aisle with respect to drugs pouring across our border, the fact that the cartels are terrorists. Talk to us about the progress or maybe lack thereof that has been made since you began your tenure at the DEA. Well, let's just start off by saying this another fentanyl emergency day in America, 9,000 dead Americans mostly kids, young kids, as young as 12 or 13 years old. We have a very serious uh, threat that we've never seen in the history of the country. I'll just make sure this is clear. What we have now, we have never seen. When I worked in the DEA running the Special Operations Division, a lot of this stuff started happening out of China, bombing the country with synthetic cannabinoids, synthetic cathinones, and then fentanyl. But fentanyl by far has been the most deadly the most dangerous, and it's a national security threat that's really being ignored for the most part by the uh, the White House and key leadership in Washington, D.C. Uh, Derek, I want to ask you this. Uh, this is one of those places where you've got two countries really in cahoots. You've got the Mexican cartels that are the final delivery and shopping centers for this fentanyl. But China starts this whole process. From all the experience you had at the DEA, uh, what is China's motive? Why do they want this scourge being imposed on America? John, based on my experience as an investigator, my father was in the DEA 30 years. I have it in my DNA. My brother died in the Air Force. It's in our family's DNA. And China has, you know, pushed their unrestricted warfare. They're using fentanyl to kill our future generation. They are very successful right now. And I will quote what Mike McCall said recently in a Homeland Security meeting uh, with a bunch of congressional members. He said the greatest foreign policy for China is to sell fentanyl to America. We started seeing this around 2012, John. We started seeing kids yeah. dead in their bedrooms up in the New England area and down in South Florida. We had no idea what it was. And it was just the ongoing attack using synthetic drugs, uh, sending that stuff from uh, China, from the chemical labs, right to uh, American families, right to bedrooms of these kids. But now, because over the years, they've successfully killed off, you know, hundreds of thousands of Americans, they now have turned over the dirty work to the Mexican cartels. They're using the cartels as a proxy to destroy and destabilize our country. Mm. And it's working very well. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we've had guests on this show come on and call it the chemical poisoning of America, and I don't think that that's histrionic at all. I wanted to ask you, it feels like Groundhog Day every time China is behind another drug crisis in our country, and there are many members of Congress, mostly on the Republican side of the aisle, but some Democrats as well, who have championed legislation to try to uh, to, to solve this crisis or to, to move in that direction, I suppose. What does it take to get a larger faction of Congress on board? Does it take knowing some someone who died of it? I mean, what does it take? Well, that's a great question, Amanda. There's a lot of families. I work with many nonprofit organizations, primarily Lost Voices of Fentanyl, 
And that's pretty much the question of the day. Nobody can understand who in America wants to see 13-year-old kids dying in their bedroom, ordering up pills on Snapchat and social media and having it delivered to the house like, like it's a pizza or some food, right? So everybody has the same concern. And we don't know the answer to that. But what we know is that right now, it's like if you had a massive water leak in your house and the plumber came to your house, the first thing they have to do is shut down the supply. Well, that's what we have. We have our countries being flooded with not only deadly fentanyl, with the pills and the powder, but methamphetamine is being pushed into this country like we've never seen ever. So we have synthetic drugs being made in these labs in Mexico. We know where a lot of the labs are. We have to get way more aggressive and we have to work with the Mexicans and we have to hold them accountable to shut down these labs. We also have to shut down the chemical flow, the precursors that are coming out of China. That's why the cartels now are producing such large amounts of of these synthetic drugs. But what many people are not talking about, and this is what concerns me, China is also providing the primary money laundering services for the cartels. The money's being collected in America by young uh, Chinese national students on visas. They're dropping the money off to Chinese businessmen. They're buying property. They're buying land in the billions of dollars. And the money is going back to the cartels. The laundered money gets back almost instantly. They've developed really sophisticated, you know, using encrypted uh, communication apps. They also use the Chinese banking apps. So they move money freely. That's a national security threat that we haven't seen in a long time. I don't know if we've ever seen one this complex. But no one's talking about it. The Republicans are only talking about it because, you know, in election season, you know, their constituents are complaining because all these kids are dying. No one knows what's going on. Yeah. Well, thank God your voice is out there. I remember a few years ago, I was at Sarah Carter's movie uh, preview and you were talking about it then. It's gotten so much worse, but your message has never changed. Derek, I want to ask about another component, because one of the fuels of the last 18 months of this crisis is Human trafficking has created such a cash flow for the cartels that they could expand their drug operations in a way that I don't know we could have imagined 20 years ago. Joe Biden and the Biden administration's open border policies really is a major fuel for this uh, fentanyl scourge, isn't it? Absolutely, John. You're right on point. And this is something that I'm not an expert on human trafficking and sex trafficking, but I have a lot of friends, former Homeland Security officials, Border Patrol officials that have taught me a lot over the last couple of years. And I know you know these guys as well. Bottom line is, is the cartels are making billions of dollars off the control of the border. Right now, they're operating with impunity. They've teamed up with the Chinese criminals. So it's this perfect storm that's happening. Meanwhile, our kids are dying at historic levels. So there are some people, John, that will suggest they make more money from the human trafficking than they do from the drug trafficking. I don't know if that's true, but what I know is that they are operating freely and they control everything that's happening going south and north into the country of Mexico and into America. And that's really troubling because without border security, you have no security. And the other problem is the Americans are a little bit naive in this country because what's happening at the border is gonna impact every single family in America one way or another. Whether it's taxes to pay for all these people, this invasion that we have going on now, or, you know, the schools are going to be overcrowded. They're not going to be speaking English and all the money we have to spend. Plus, 
all the deaths right now that are going on from fentanyl and methamphetamine, it's it's outrageous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And another component of this, I think, you know, we, we can throw ample justified blame on the cartels and on China. But this doesn't happen without uh, the consent of political leaders. And I, I'm speaking specifically about city uh, officials who allow this to take place on their streets. I don't know if you saw this video that went viral the last couple of days of a homeless woman, I believe in Portland, talking about how easy it is to be homeless. She gets three square meals a day. She can shoot up in between those meals. What is the responsibility of, of our country and our political leaders to make sure this stops? Man, that's a great, great question. Another awesome point. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a issue with uh, workers in America now. They really enjoy the freebies that they're getting from the government. We have the poor leadership in this country, soft on crime. We have hugs for thugs, not bullets policies in Mexico. Uh, so it's really disturbing. But the, there's no accountability. That's the bigger issue. Amanda, that's why crime is out of control. The bad guys don't feel like there's any you know, punishment coming if they get caught. They're, you know, breaking into stores. They're stealing stuff. They're hitting people over the head down the streets. You don't feel safe anymore. The homeless are getting taken care of. Now they're setting up in certain cities, you know, obviously the safe injection sites. So we're teaching yeah. our kids, you know, it's good to use drugs as long as it's safe. Meanwhile, the entire illicit yeah. drug supply is tainted. All right, folks, that wraps up the Sunday Brunch edition of Just the News and John Solomon Report. So glad you can join us. A big thank you to all of our guests and for Amanda Head, my amazing colleague. We work together every day. We enjoy it. She's such a great journalist, and we have so much fun together. Lots of food for thought, right? What Steve's son, Bill O'Reilly, Troy Nels told us about January 6th, what Brian Schwimming's going to do to try to transform the Republican Party so that it has an advantage in early voting like it has on Election Day. And, of course, Derek Malt Sr., some pretty sobering assessments about the war on drugs, China, Mexico, and that alliance, and so much more. All of that uh, in a pretty powerful edition uh, today. So I want to thank everybody. I want to wish you a wonderful Sunday. Catch some of those last football games of the year before the playoffs start. Uh, hopefully you've begun in your exercise program post-Christmas holiday. I know I had to. I ate too much this holiday season, but I'm going to make up for it with some good exercise and a lot more veggies. Now we have started 2023. All right, we'll be back Monday with a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Until then, if you need a news fix about all the things going on in Washington, all the things going on in the world, go to justthenews.com or better yet, download the Just the News app from the Apple iOS in Android Google Play stores, and you will be able to experience Just the News in a very special way. You read, watch, and listen to our great content. All right, God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, 
you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.